So, uh, need a cigarette, Noel? <laughs> Why do you think I might need a cigarette? Oh, I thought, you know, uh, after that 10 minute long arm wrestling montage, you might just, uh, you know, might need a cigarette. It might have uh, pushed me over the top. Oh, good Lord. No, <laughs> I can't believe this happened. That just happened real early. Um, I wish I did. And you know how much I love montages, but uh, the arm wrestling one in this movie that is all about arm wrestling just didn't do it for me. Oh, my God. What? Yeah, I know. I, I'm, ex- I'm surprised, too. I thought uh, that it would be a little bit more than it was. But uh, I think I had really high hopes for this movie. And we'll get into it as we go. I think you will be the only person on earth who has uh, started talking about this movie by saying, I had really high hopes for it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And yeah, we're talking about Over the Top, the Sylvester Stallone classic arm wrestling movie. Can you think of any other arm wrestling movies? No, not a single one. I have have no other arm wrestling movies in my repertoire of movie watching, that's for sure. So it's got that going for it, at least. Yeah, uh, this is our 25th episode, and we thought, let's find something, like, really historically ridiculous. Um, (laughs) To push us there? Yeah. Yeah, It kind of makes sense, right? 25 is a big number. I feel like we sort of, we're pushing our way over the top to keep moving on this thing, fighting pandemics and all kinds of other things. It kind of makes sense. How many times are you going to work the phrase over the top into this episode? I got two so far. I I actually am going to make a point to try to do it as many times as they do in the movie. So this is part of my strategy coming in today is to see if I can drop the title as many times as it was used in this film. You're like me saying deathbed all those times last week. (laughs) I couldn't believe how many times it was dropped in this film. So I, I have to make a point of trying to make this as absurd as possible. I was I was a big fan of that, as you can imagine. I love when the titles mention movies. As <laughs> yeah, you know. did, did that pop you? Did you did you oh. have to have a, a smoke after that? Yeah, it happened so quickly. I was like, this is just great. It just kept coming, just kept coming. It's good. So uh, yes, uh, we're going to talk about over the top today. For those of you who have never tuned in before, you picked a great one to join us for. This movie's ridiculous. While we talk about the movie, we always drink a beer that's kind of like themed some way, some connection to the movie itself. What are we drinking today, Noel? Yeah, this is exciting. This is called Alpha Bomb by the Big Rig Brewery. So this is a brewery out in Ottawa or Canada, Ontario, in our nation's capital. Um, Did a little research on them. Big Rig's been around since 2012. So I do remember their beers being available for purchase for quite some time. They were one of the sort of first distributors of craft beer uh, in Ontario. So I'm really excited to drink this unfiltered IPA. It sounds great. While I was doing some digging, one of the descriptions for this beer online uh, made me pop uh, a little bit. And I, I told it to you, and I know you shared it, because they described the over-the-top aromas when you crack into this sucker. And I thought... <laughs> I can't believe it, man. Yeah. That was amazing. There's so many connections here. Do you want to describe some of the ways this is connected to our movie? Well, like I, originally, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so he drives a big rig, so that's easy. Yep. The phrase alpha bomb, like this is like a classic 80s, like alpha male, the fucking arm wrestling. It's all these like jacked up brawny truck driver dudes. Like that was the connection for me. When you found that description, I was like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Like what a world. It just locked it in. So this is the perfect beer for us to be drinking with this movie. So ready to crack it open? Yeah, let's do it. So we open with some very inspirational music. There's uh, shots of mountains and we've got a big rig on the road. And the man driving that rig, Sylvester Stallone, playing the character of Lincoln Hawk. Or is it Lincoln Hawks? I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, I'm loving this intro. Loving the music. Loving the mountains. We're just sort of rising high above it. I'm excited. 
Uh, we see him there introed, Hawk hauling on the side. And like you said, is it Hawk or is it Hawks? Dude, they changed the name like 17 times during this movie. They're calling him Hawk. They're calling him Hawks. All the place. They can't remember the main character's name. Yeah. This is unbelievable. <laughs> it's really bad. I mean, they're, they're really consistent at the start, I feel. And then about halfway through, it seems like they forgot what he was called. Like, is this something where they were writing the script and he was called Hawks? in the script and then they decided while they're making the movie that people would prefer hawk as a name i don't know man all i know is on imdb he's listed as lincoln hawk in all the like taglines and stuff for this movie it's mentions lincoln hawk not hawks so i don't know what happened uh i will say like this was a canon films production and canon films is kind of legendary for their like sloppy uh production history oh really so, i didn't know that so they, they have some some gaffes going forward on the way that they sort of finish off their movies a little bit i think I, i'm not sure at what point in their chronology this was but like they went just horribly bankrupt and so i think at certain points like cutting things quickly and on a budget became kind of a priority. And it feels like that's what happened here, right? They must have spent some money on this, as we're going to find out later. Either way, like Lincoln Hawk sounds like it came out of like an 80s action hero name generator. <laughs> it sounds like computer it sounds like a real human yeah. name. It's not. I know. Yeah. It, it makes me think of Ethan Hawk. Oh, I don't think he would have done nearly as well on this movie. No. Oh, goodness. No, you need a Stallone <laughs> to be there. And even Stallone, <laughs> I felt in this movie, and we'll get into this more, he felt undersized in the crew that he was competing against here. He was the underdog for sure oh there's some beefcakes in this crew for sure holy cow yeah. so you mentioned them cleaning the rig and stuff we get some footage of him cleaning and also cleaning himself up as well not just the rig and this is all intercut with like a military school graduation and they zoom in on one kid looking around we see uh, a bunch of other kids whose parents are there and uh he's got no one it seems and now we can make this connection this is obviously stallone's kid yeah, while seeing it, I was kind of like, oh, man, he's late for this graduation ceremony or whatever it is. The kid's not in high school or anything. It looks like he's sort of graduating from middle school, maybe. Um, and there's this ceremony, and we get the cuts of that ceremony, and then uh, Stallone washing himself in an outdoor sink. Yeah, well, he's got to look good for this, uh, you know, picking his son up. He can't look slovenly. Yeah, he puts on his best sort of denim shirt and <laughs> uh, <laughs> and his best, uh, what is it, clip-on tie. And, and suspenders. And suspenders. Yeah, and suspenders and drives his way over there. When he arrives, there's clearly a class issue here. Oh, yes, a huge discrepancy. He's walking through the, like, the... the uh... He's walking up the, the steps to the entrance, right? Yeah, he's, like, walking through the quad, for lack of a better term, and people, are, mm -hmm. their heads are turning, and who's that? They're all surprised by this low-class guy. Clearly, the school that this son goes to is a private school, one that's very discipline-oriented, and definitely has money involved in it, right? Well, yeah, he doesn't know his dad's going to pick him up, so he goes to get in a limo. He finds a limo referred to as the Michael Cutler limo, that's how he's about to get out of there, but the colonel wants to see him, tells him that his father is here to pick him up, and uh, he says, I don't have a father, sir. So uh, it's clear that their relationship is not great. He also asks his dad to see some ID. This is confusing for me. All I knew heading into this movie was that Stallone had to arm wrestle for his kid. And when the kid doesn't know him at all, I'm like, how are they in this hour and a half movie going to build that relationship to such a strength? Like, this is what I'm feeling like right now. I'm like, he's got to arm wrestle to save this child and he doesn't even know his dad. And this is where they sort of cut in the character who has been parenting him or seems to be his dad, right? Who Who is the, sort of the one that comes in here? Well, yeah. So this this is all on the up and up. So he ends up 
going with his dad. They're going to be on the road for a couple of days. But we find out that he's been mainly parented by his grandfather, played by the incomparable Robert Loja. Yeah, I recognize Robert Loja, but I, I wasn't able to tell you where he was from. He was a good choice for this part of douchey old grandfather. Oh, definitely. And he is furious that they have let Stallone take his kid. They have to go to California to meet up with the kid's mom who is in the hospital. She's going to have some kind of a procedure done. And basically, the kid puts it all on the table right away and asks Sylvester Stallone if he really thinks he can make up 10 years in two to three days. So there's t- let us know. This is what's up. Yeah, this is tough, right? We find out that they're paired together because the mom who's in the hospital um, sort of fighting a procedure wanted them to spend this time together. And what I'm sort of getting or understanding here is that the grandfather or the mother didn't really want Stallone in his life. It sounds like he was pushed out and he maybe too easily walked away from this kid when, when it was born. But now that the mom is is sort of in bad health and they're not sure what's going to happen, she wants him to be connected to his father, right? She doesn't want him to be sort of raised as a spoiled rich kid under her father or the grandfather's parenting. Yeah, but he's not going for it. Uh, in fact, he says as soon as they get in the car that there's no need for conversation. So he doesn't even want to talk to him. He's written his dad off. But, and this is pretty common with kids who like write their dads off, as soon as they get on the road, it all just comes pouring out. He sees some pictures of him in Stallone's cab and asks him, how did you get these pictures? Uh, how come I never heard from you? Why didn't you write me any letters? Basically gives him the, why'd you leave me, daddy? And just like flies off the handle gets Stallone to pull over, and the kid runs into traffic. Yeah, this is dramatic. I mean, you you get this kid who, we figure out, never received a letter, so that's questionable, right? Stallone says that he's written hundreds of times and for every birthday and all of those things, but they never got to the kid. So you know shit's kind of going on or something's up there. When he stops the truck to say he's not feeling well, he sprints right into traffic, and he is a shitty frogger. Like, this kid almost <laughs> gets nailed, like, hundreds of, well, not hundreds of times, but three or four there times. were several yeah. <laughs> cars that crash into each other and avoid killing this child as Stallone sprints across uh, traffic to sort of hunt him down here. Yeah, man, that's kind of our first action piece this movie. Stallone saves him, gets him back in the car, uh, but they've clearly got some work to do. We get the impression that the reason he hasn't got these letters is because of his grandfather. It's the grandfather, we can tell immediately, you mentioned he's an old kind of crotchety douchebag, doesn't like Stallone, so mad that Stallone was able to take this kid. They're on the road, and uh, Stallone decides that they should probably stop to eat something. He mentions a truck stop coming up that serves a good steak, uh, and then we get there, he orders a steak for himself, tries to order Mike some fried chicken, but Mike scoffs at this. And says to him, for a man who exercises, you don't know much about nutrition. This is hilarious. Clearly, his military school training has taught him about nutrition. And we know that eating fried foods and or steak all the time isn't healthy. So he, as a kid would do, right? Like, this is this is something that kids do all the time. They will correct adults or their parents when they're making a decision that isn't a good one, especially when they've been taught otherwise. Um, so he does that to his dad and he tells them that he wants to, he wants a tuna sandwich instead, right? Oh yeah. He lectures him on calorie and fat intake and then he orders very healthy. I think it's a tuna tuna sandwich on whole wheat bread and like a sparkling mineral water or something. Stallone says, you know, make it a double, make it two all the same thing, trying to bond a little bit that way. Also, this place is like a legit bar. This is no place for a child. Yeah, it's weird. It is a truck stop that is like full to the brim of truckers. It's definitely 
uh, very blue collar. We're getting a sense of where Stallone fits in the social hierarchy. This movie really kind of throws that out there and hits you on the head with the difference between sort of like the upper and uh, lower class in middle America kind of thing. Um, but it's it's not kid friendly. There's people drinking. There's like all kinds of loud music and arguing. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Oh, yeah. Right on cue. Someone, a uh, big burly guy comes up to Stallone and says, you hawk. Uh, this gentleman is called the Smasher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets really aggressive. Uh, Stallone, like trying to keep it low key, kind of like almost whispers like, hey, man, I'm not interested right now. I am hawk, but like I got my kid here. We're going to eat some tuna sandwiches. Smasher's not having it, though. He says he's got a thousand bucks that says he can tear Stallone's arm off. Now, I don't like his chances because this is a Sylvester Stallone movie and it's, we're about five minutes in. So I'm like, this dude's fucking meat. He's going down for sure. <laughs> you knew you knew what was going to happen really quickly here. Yeah. All of a sudden, this truck stop, while people are like sort of drinking and eating and all that stuff, turns into a arm wrestling stadium. Like everyone <laughs> gets out of their seats. Somehow they pull an arm wrestling table out of where? They have like a separate back room that apparently is just for arm wrestling, I guess, is what I'm led to believe. The I don't think so. The table's it felt dead like center. another dining room. I don't know, man. Yeah, the, the, the table they pulled out from somewhere and put it dead center in this uh, other dining room. And we get a circle of people around Smasher and our hero here. Oh my Hawk. God, everyone goes in that room except he leaves Mike with the waitress. He says it's time to go to work. And the title now... It just starts coming fast and furious. We get to our first arm wrestling contest. Stallone does make pretty short work of the Smasher. And as he's doing this, a very large and very sweaty guy shows up and like starts harassing Mike. We can kind of tell that he's going to play a role later, right? He wants to he wants to arm wrestle him right now. And after Hawk destroys Smasher and their arm wrestle and he goes over the top, uh, he does the hand move where he puts it over and quickly puts him down on the table. Which, by the way, I, I don't know the rules of arm wrestling, but I always thought once your hands were locked in, you weren't supposed to be moving that shit. But apparently that's not true. You can, you can do that? I think you're allowed to move your finger as long as you don't break like, the oh, crux. Okay. Of the, you can't move your thumb. Like Whatever the, the crux of the grip is, you got to keep that. But I think you can move fingers a little bit. So the big man's here challenging him. He says, no, we're going to wait till Vegas. Yeah, and this is the first of several times that Vegas is mentioned. In fact, in the room where he was just arm wrestling the Smasher, there is a like kind of like a banner that says, you know, see you in Vegas. So something's going on in Vegas, but they don't ever actually just come out and tell us what it is. We kind of have to connect the dots on our own, which is a little maddening and confusing also. <laughs> Usually in these movies, or one of our biggest complaints is when they assume that we're stupid and they tell us what's going to happen over and over again. This one was kind of rough because they definitely leave you to infer or to know about that Vegas has a annual arm wrestling championship and that we should all know about that. Yeah, they're assuming that we're smart. I guess it's not really fair to get mad at them for that. Yeah, that's that's not normally our complaint in these podcasts. They're probably just like, you saw the fucking preview. You know what this is. You didn't water <laughs> up the street and just, you know. Yeah, you know um, for sure. Yeah, man. So that that character is Bull, by the way. And much like Bloodsport, you alluded to this. They're telling us exactly where we're headed. Like right away, you're like, this is the big bad guy. They're going to fight in the finals. This is all just completely laid out for us right away. Yeah, it's funny. Um, After he sort of beats this guy and he shrugs off Bull and says, we're going to do this later. He's kind of hoping that his son is kind of impressed, right? He's he's probably hoping he's like, okay, my dad 
is kind of a badass, but is that the reaction we get out of uh, Mike Cutler? <laughs> no, he calls him a hustler. He's like, yeah. you hustled that man out of his money. But he is a little impressed. Come on. Like, he's clearly, he's now seen things. Like, this is a whole different world he didn't know existed. And it is. There's something, like, primal to it. He seems intrigued. He's intrigued, but he also goes to the phone and tells his mom he doesn't want to do this anymore. And that this isn't, like, a quality guy to be around. Like, mom, why are you forcing him to do this? She's on the other line from the hospital, and she's like, I want you to give this some time. This man is your father, and you need to give it some time. Yeah, so he does. Mike gets back in the truck with his dad. He's got more questions for him. Like, he wants to know if Stallone is still dealing drugs. It turns out that Mike's grandpa really doesn't like Stallone and is really tied to kind of, like, you know, turn Mike against him by telling these lies. We get more evidence that maybe Robert Loja isn't the best guy when he goes to the hospital and yells at his dying daughter. Yeah, this is fucked up. This guy is a, a prick, man. He shows up at the hospital to shit on his daughter who is clearly in like a dire situation uh, awaiting either like a transplant or trying to get through something. And he craps on her for setting up this ride home with her dad, right? Like he even says that I'm Michael's father. Right. He screams that at her as he's trying to sort of show his role in Michael's life. Oh, yeah. And he's got goons. He's got actual goons and they're going to be out looking for them. Now, if they want to find Stallone and Mike that night, you know where they can find him in the cab of Stallone's truck, because apparently that's where they're going to sleep. And this scene had really weird vibes. (laughs) So after they have their diner experience and they drive for several more hours on their way to California, Stallone pulls over and Mike's like, where are we sleeping tonight? And Stallone's like, well, truckers do it all the time. They just sleep in their truck. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, but the, the tone, the tone he's doing when he says this. I'm like, I thought we'd stay in the truck tonight. A lot of truckers do it. Uh, we've talked about creepy sort of family relation stuff in this. We we talked about it with the face wipe in, in uh, Face Off. Face yeah. Off. And then we talked about sort of the face hold and like embrace in Jaws of Revenge. This is right up there with them for the B&B Hall of Fame of creepy family moments. Oh, man. It's like he's propositioning him. It's really weird. They have known each other for less than 24 hours, right? Like that's in terms of the kid's life. And he's like, we're going to sleep in this cab together. He's like, if you want to lay on my shoulder. You can use my shoulder as a pillow. pillow. Oh, my goodness. It's so weird. And then as they pass out in the night, you see them wake up. And who's using whose shoulder as a pillow here? Yeah, it's the other way around, man. Stallone is like not spooning his son, but he's like as far over as he can get in the cab of this truck, like leaning on him. Mike is uh, a little weirded out by this, but maybe less than he should be, I feel. I'd be super uncomfortable with that. It was so weird. If my dad tried to do that to me, I'd be fucking hiking or like (laughs) hitchhiking my (laughs) way to the nearest hotel or motel. I don't care if I'm a 12-year-old kid. That was fucked up. Yeah, man. You know what'll make you feel better, though? Our first montage of the movie. (laughs) I'm glad we transitioned to montages because I needed it after that creepy family moment. We get sunrise, exercise, uh, all set to the sweet sounds of 80s soundtrack legend Kenny Loggins. (laughs) Yeah. um, So this is pretty hilarious. The sun is coming up. They're using the truck and some of the things around them to do some badass bonding. They're stretching. There's some like pull-ups and chin-ups. And you have that Kenny Loggins song. It was a little bit slow for me, though. Oh, come on now. now. You're nitpicking. I know. 
I, I I am nitpicking, not the actions, but the music itself in this wasn't building for me in the way that I need a montage to be pushing me forward. Like this was a rom- almost like a romantic montage. Like it was a bonding montage. You were seeing them come together. It was definitely together. a yeah. bonding montage for sure. Yeah, the song, by the way, is called Meet Me Halfway. Uh, it's mm. a song that I will now definitely be singing at my father's funeral. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man, that's dark. I have a complicated religion. Yeah, okay. Later on the road, Stallone tries to teach him the finer points of arm wrestling, but Mike is not super impressed. He tells his father there's more to life than muscles, and why not read a book once in a while? So weird. Uh, He sort of kind of questions the mental acuity of his father. He's like, yeah, you just drive a truck and lift this weight all day. He's like, you're not really worth my time, Dad. Like, read a book. And then Stallone says, well, if this isn't hard, kid, then you fucking do it. You drive this fucking truck. He pulls over and puts Mike in the driver's seat of this big rig. Now, really, this is just an excuse for them to, like, some quality father-son bonding. This is not going to, he's not trying to teach him like Mike Lesbo being smart. This is just, Mike's going to enjoy driving. He's going to enjoy something his dad enjoys, and they'll be able to bond. And it works like a charm, for the record. Well, yeah, I think part of it is to show him that it's not easy to drive a big rig. Like, I think that is a pretty complicated process. I've never done it, but like as someone who drives a lot, I don't feel like I'd be super comfortable just hopping into a seat and driving a big rig truck. Like I think it takes some skills. Well, and it's not like they're just in the cab. He's hauling a load. He's got a shipment of brute cologne back there. (laughs) Which is hilarious. Part of the many product placements that we see throughout this movie. Just hitting you over the face with those. Oh, yeah, man. Again, though, this does work. So Mike's enjoying it. He gets the hang of it. Big smiles all around. Then he drives for like 10 fucking minutes. Like, he drove the truck for so long. Yeah. So the 12-year-old here ends up being really good at driving, apparently, a big rig. And so I guess it doesn't prove that it's a difficult task to do. So he's driving along, driving the truck, no problem. And he lets him drive forever. Yeah, it's a, it's a long time. And we get this really nice, happy father-son moment which means it's time to immediately cut to angry Robert Loja, <laughs> who says yeah. they're going to have to deal with this the old-fashioned way, and that does not sound good. No, I, I wrote in here angry grandpa scene as well. It just sort of, spl- they keep splicing these two together, the father-son bonding, and then the angry rich old grandpa who's not getting his way here. Well, they got to remind you that he's still around. Uh, now that Stallone's got his son loving truck driving, there's only one thing left. Get him to love arm wrestling. So they're at some other diner. Stallone basically challenges some teenage kid to take his son on two out of three. You know that the bonding is going well here even before this happens because the kid's wearing his dad's hat, right? That's true. He's got it on and you can see they're they're sort of going together. He doesn't challenge his dad on what they're going to eat at this place. He doesn't force tuna sandwiches and sparkling water. I think he eats cake. I think his dad mentions that Mike ate some cake. Yeah. So like he's showing him a whole new way to live right now. But then, kind of strangely, he just picks, like, some large teen to challenge and say that his son is going to beat him in an arm wrestle. And when it goes really badly, what does Michael do? What does the son do? Oh, he runs off crying. Stallone follows him out in the parking lot and gives him a pep talk. And that includes the phrase, the world meets no one halfway. So, fuck you, Kenny Loggins. Thanks for the song. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, just built that right in there. Yeah. He kind of gives him this really long pep talk. Um, and he says, lose like a winner, kid. And it, this pep talk is so fucked up. Like, why are you challenging this random teenager to an arm wrestle? Uh, he's tr- clearly trying to be a dad, even though he spent zero minutes of his entire life doing that before now. He's just kind of figure it out. Yeah, it's got kind of a tough love vibe to it. Like, you know, he's going he's gonna to toughen Mike up a little bit by forcing him to kind of push himself. 
Anyway, after this pep talk, Mike is back in, and this time Stallone unleashes the awesome power of the backwards hat, <laughs> turns the hat around on Mike so he can win this arm wrestling contest. And I had this thought during the driving scene, but I have it again here. This kid's facial expressions are fucking ridiculous. Worse than Stallone's? Come on. Well, okay, that's a great point. Like, I was laughing at the kid, but I think, yeah, yeah. now you're making a thing with this now. I guess if you are trying to find someone who can accurately play Sylvester Stallone's son, because we see some very ridiculous Stallone facial expressions. Oh, yeah. But the kid's got to have it, too, I guess. So maybe maybe you, you convinced me. Casting did a good job. I'm pretty sure that was a part of the casting. I'm pretty sure they spent, like, 10 minutes of every cast session, which each kid being like, okay, show me your mean face. Mike, pretend you're passing a kidney stone. Yeah. Let's see what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your O face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like 12 years old, man. Come on. I mean, uh, they probably asked it whether he knew how to do it or not. Uh, so he comes back. He's got the backwards hat on. He's ready to take on this much bigger teen. Oh, he rolls him. He wins twice in a row. He's on top of the world. What does uh, he sort of say or what happens there while they're arm wrestling? What move does he do? He does the hand flip and he goes over the top. There we go. They I even drop it in there. They his even dad talk says, yeah, it. go over the top, yeah. Mike. Over the top. Yeah. They God even throw it. it in there. So he wins. He loves his fucking dad now. Oh, yeah. He's all in. And he calls his mom to tell her uh, she's in really bad shape, we find out. And she actually tells Sylvester Stallone that no matter what, he needs to stay with Mike. And in just a tremendous bit of irony, she tells him this exactly as two of Robert Loge's goons grab Mike and throw him in a truck and speed off. Yeah, so, of course, this is the time of payphones, so they're having that conversation on a payphone. Mike gets off the phone with his mom and leaves Stallone to sort of finish off that conversation. And while he's out in the parking lot, those goons grab him and drive off. And we know Stallone is not going to fucking, he's not going to let this happen. Oh, no fucking way. We get a quick chase scene. Stallone gets him back almost immediately. Then we cut to Robert Loja, who's got like a lawyer who runs in, tells him they have no legal recourse, and no judge is going to give him custody of Mike. The lawyer here calls him Hawks for sure, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Bull also called him Hawks back in the diner, but the Smasher called him Hawk. I'm so confused. Um, Things are falling apart here in terms of the naming and editing for this movie. It, it happens. I mean, when you spend all your budget on a sweet Kenny Loggins song, there's just nothing you can do, right? Like, you don't have anything left for editing. There's the continuity no editor got fired so they could have Meet Me Halfway. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess they must have been close to California because they get to the hospital to see Mike's mom, only they find out that she has actually passed away, which is just like really dark. I don't know why they had to put this in the movie. This doesn't really add anything to the plot. It's kind of like just another fucking gut punch for young Mike. Yeah, it's rough. They get there ahead of schedule, but not in time. And this sort of goes to add to the struggles of, like you're right, Mike, our, our character here, and show how important it is for Stallone to be in his life. He wants to sort of be that father for their child together, and she wanted that before she goes, and he's going to take this to heart. Yeah, well, Mike, I was going to say, Mike was maybe getting there, but he doesn't want it anymore. He is pissed, and he tells Stallone that this is all his fault. If he hadn't been in a truck with him, he could have been here before to see his mom before she passed away. And he runs and jumps in a taxi and just the taxi drives away, which I can't believe if there's like a kid jumping in a cab and the kid's father's like after being like, Mike, Mike, and the taxi driver just drives off. That's pretty borderline. That is really sketchy. I don't know if a taxi driver would just take a child and take them somewhere right now. Also, I don't know how the child would pay for that. But I assume that if you're going to a place with an adult, they'll pay for your cab for you. Especially if that adult is Robert Loja and is... Always trying to find a loophole. I I wrote down a question here sort of at this point. I wanted to know how did the mom turn out decent? 
how did she kind of in the end make good decisions despite her father who is clearly like the evil villain of this movie i feel like the vibe i got was that her father never liked stallone and so stallone you know leaves for whatever reason he never really tells us the reason but he leaves and i think at that point she's probably heartbroken devastated and robert loja takes that as an opportunity to kind of twist the knife right like really sour her on stallone but I think now that, you know, if you're facing a life-threatening illness, your whole life's in perspective. You probably look back and say, like, you know, what am I holding on to this for? What's best for my son? So I'm assuming that this was a lot of, a lot of Robert Loja influencing her and that she now being able to see kind of the full scope of things in sort of her last days is like, you know, my child's going to need a father and maybe my father hasn't always been the best role model. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think she even describes wanting him to see a part of the world or life that wasn't sort of open to her because of her father, right? Like wanting to see another side of what was there. I think that's a great explanation you went through, though. Well, thanks, man. I gave this a lot of thought. Unlike the producers and screenwriter of this movie, you can't even decide in the guy's <laughs> fucking last name. Uh, oh. So we dissolve from there to the funeral. Uh, Stallone shows up in jeans and a fucking black denim shirt. What happened to the clothes from earlier, man? He had like suit pants and like, a, you know... He was a little classier earlier in the movie. And it's strange. So they're going through the funeral and Stallone kind of walks in midway through, puts flowers on the grave and walks out. Like he didn't even come for the ceremony or or any of it. Like he couldn't face it, I guess. We kind of interrupts it. Like the the minister's in the middle of talking and he kind of pauses when Stallone walks up, drops flowers in the coffin and leaves. It's really weird. He kind of makes eye contact with Mike, but not really. It's, It's really a struggle here. Yeah, Mike is just bawling. And from there, we get the introspective man stares at water scenes with soft piano music. (laughs) Stallone's sitting there on the back of his big rig looking out at the sunset. It's the calm before the storm because the next thing we see is Stallone's truck pulling up to Robert Loja's mansion. We, We know that he doesn't, like, he's a working class man. He doesn't really know his rights. But if he did, this kid belongs to him, right? In a court of law, the father is going to have rights to the child. Well, we know we find out that he has custody. He legally has custody. And he goes to go get his kid and they refuse to give it to him. Yeah, so he does what any rational parent with legal custody would do. He rams through the gate with his big rig. Yeah, just just baffling, right? Like you're, you're now going to destroy property and break into someone's home instead of just going to the police and asking for your kid back. Oh, the police are going to show up, but not for the reason that you want anymore. He, yeah, he smashes some statues, smashes the fountain, and also smashes the front door. We get a little bit of a showdown between uh, Stallone and Robert Loja, and this is where Robert Loja's acting goes over the top. He uh, tells Stallone, Michael Cutler is my boy. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> uh, yeah, the line is just so aggressive. I assume we're going to try to slide it in here. Michael Cutler is my boy. You deserted him years ago, and that's a fact that you can't change, no matter what you do. Damn you! Michael Cutler is my boy! Michael Cutler is my boy! No, Michael Cutler is my (laughs) boy! Damn you! Yeah, it looks like Stallone is going to go at him, but security and the cops take him down. Yeah. And we see after that that he is in jail, but like a real jail? This isn't like a holding cell. They had him on like a two-level, like, federal-looking prison. I assume Cutler, with all of his sort of connections, probably has some political ones as well. Maybe he made sure that he went to the worst possible place. I mean, it's pretty bad. He's quickly visited by Robert Loja's personal secretary, who tells him that they won't prosecute if he leaves the state. Now, Stallone wants to know what Mike thinks about that, so they actually bring Mike in. And Mike wants to believe in his dad, but how can he at this point, you know? And this is where we get Stallone going for the Oscar. (laughs) Yeah, this is tough, right? Mike says he, like, wants to have a home. He's only ever known living with his grandfather, and that's the place where he's been. 
He seems kind of impressed with the two days he spent with his real father, but just doesn't sort of connect in the same way with the life that he's already known. He's comfortable. Well, yeah, you can't even imagine what that's going to be like. Also, it probably doesn't help that during this uh, Oscar reel, Stallone says phrases like, I want to give you what's inside of me. It's kind of a- <laughs> it connects to the creepy family moments from earlier. Is that what you're yeah. insinuating? Yeah. Yeah. The way that they describe their relationship, like the intentions clearly are is he wants to be a dad. Why after 10 years of not being in his son's life is kind of questionable. But clearly he wanted to be a father figure to him. And that's what he means. The love is what he wants to share. Nothing untoward as it would seem based on some of the it's a weird phrase though it's a weird expression like that to me i I agree it is a strange strange saying for sure well despite this uh, acting tour de force uh, mike just can't get there um stallone understands and reminds him that the world meets nobody halfway despite the kenny Loggins song of the same name that we hear like 17 times in this movie and speaking of which they break out the kenny Loggins song again we see stallone free he's driving to vegas and he's working out his arm he's got like an exercise rig set up in his fucking truck for him to exercise his one arm he only needs the one for the arm wrestling and we knew from his truck ride with his son that he was heading to vegas to try to win right he was going to try to win some cash so that he could start his own big rig company and all things would be great. Maybe his son could join him in the big rig business. Yeah, this is where we finally find out exactly why he's heading to Vegas. We see the National Arm Wrestling Championships. We're cutting between this and Mike digging through kind of his mom's stuff. Mike finds like a thousand letters from his father, which I don't know how he never discovered these before or why the grandfather didn't like destroy them or burn them. Anyway, as this happens, Mike decides to break out and go see his dad. So he climbs like out of a balcony, drops down what, like 25 feet to the ground, is fine, and then steals a car. (laughs) This is great. Um, This whole like section here where Stallone is going for the Oscar and he's using his whisper voice to be famous as he heads off to Vegas. And then we see Michael break out. He steals a ridiculous truck. I don't know why he chooses the truck out of all of the vehicles that are in his, like, loaded grandfather's garage. Well, his dad drives a truck. Uh, I get, oh, okay. Man. Well, yeah, there you go. Maybe that's the connection. He's, like, just trying to be like, I, I, I miss dad. So Mike knows his dad's going to Vegas, and he's going to fucking drive there. I Well, that's the thing. I'm like, how is this fucking kid? His, his grandfather lives in Bel Air. I'm like, they're going to see this kid. Now, it turns out he's only driving to the airport. But even still, how does no one notice a fucking, like, 10-year-old driving a car in the middle of the day, like he'd been pulled over. There's no fucking way this kid makes it there. I, I agree. I know. It just seems weird. I don't know where they are. But uh, yeah, he drives himself to the airport. He books himself a flight. I don't know how. Somehow. Without money yep. or a credit card or any of that information or a legal guardian there with him. Well, this was pre-9-11. Uh, could children still just book their own flight? <laughs> <laughs> no idea, man. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think 9-11 changed that. like, like how children get on planes. So he he's going to go, and then we got cut back to Stallone selling his truck. Well, yeah, he so he sells the truck. He gets about seven grand for it, which seems low to me, but whatever. I thought it was for the entry fee, but actually, no. He bets it all on himself to win at 20 to 1. So he's going over the top with financial irresponsibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We also find out that the winner of this tournament is going to get $100,000 cash and a brand new big rig, which I guess this is just involves truckers. Like that would be not an appealing prize to like anyone else. Yeah, maybe this is something we don't know about. Maybe the arm wrestling and trucking world is integrally connected. 
Like maybe truckers just have huge arms and this is how they sort of deal with everything. We got to find some more truckers to figure this out. Yeah, if you're a trucker, you're listening to this episode, please let us know whether or not all truckers love arm wrestling and have giant and have huge arms. arms. So yeah, they're they're just laying this all out here for us. The winner gets a truck, all this cash. He bet himself. If you can't see where this is going, like I can't help you. You know where it's going? It's going into an arm wrestle montage. Now I know at the start of our podcast here, I said I was a little disappointed. It's still really good. I think what was saddest for me, and we're going to get into it, is the stakes weren't quite what I wanted them to be. Well, it doesn't help that this tournament has a completely incomprehensible format that we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> but this montage is just fucking dudes arm wrestling, slamming them down, set to the song Winner Takes It All by Sammy Hagar, which is a pretty good choice. So that's true. This is the best montage of the movie by a lot. I know there's only a couple in here. We kind of shit on them earlier for not telling us more about this arm wrestling tournament. They definitely make it clear that it's a fucking double elimination tournament because they oh, must say it 150 times. They say it more times than they say the title of the movie. Well, and they keep saying it different ways. They'll be like, it's a double elimination tournament. That means you have to lose twice to be out. That means that if you lose once, you're not eliminated. Like, they just keep telling us over and over again. And so I'm like, okay, this is clearly leading us to something. Before we get there, we see Mike at the airport. And it turns out Robert Loja sends his goons. They're in hot pursuit, and they're going to take their private jet to Vegas. The private jet can just take off right away. They don't have to wait for all the boarding stuff. No in-flight instructions. They just fucking go. So as Mike arrives at the Vegas airport, the goons have already gotten there. The kid is super smart. Like, he outfoxes those goons really easily. He, like, slides up one of the uh, luggage things in the airport. Like, something that you've always wanted to do, he pulls that off. You always see that in movies. I don't know about you, but whenever I travel, I'm like, it would be badass to be riding around on those things. Oh, absolutely. And this kid pulls it off. He gets there to cheer on his dad, and you're in the final eight. Yeah. Now, at this point, we get some quick kind of profiles on the last eight. Some of them are crazy. Stallone is just horrible. And Bull Hurley says that being number one is everything. They're is no second place, which I'm 99% sure was the saying on a No Fear t-shirt I had in the 90s. <laughs> so there's a lot that happens here. I hate how they call the final eight the semifinals. This whole thing is confusing because clearly it's the quarterfinals because you're going to have to whittle it down. Yeah. And again, double elimination. They tell us this many times. And thank goodness they told us 36 fucking times because even with the awesome power of the backwards hat, Lincoln Hawk loses to a gentleman by the name of John Grizzly. Yes, the guy who just completely off the rails, he's just trying to show you that he doesn't care either about his life or anything around him. I think he even drinks motor oil. Oh, yeah, he's wearing a FUBAR shirt. He chugs motor oil. (laughs) They try to make this really dramatic with the slow-mo, like emotional music, these expressions of despair. But this is all kind of somewhat undermined by the tournament announcer who, again, explains in literally every way possible. This doesn't (laughs) mean he's out of the tournament. They just keep saying, you know. He still has another chance. exactly. He's only lost once. He's coming back to um, wrestle him again. Oh, my God. This hammers over the head with a dude. It's unbelievable. So at this, his lowest point, Robert Loja summons him to his presidential suite and offers him a brand new big rig and $500,000 to get out of his life. And I don't understand why. Neither does Stallone. Stallone rightly is confused because apparently he already gave up legal custody. So Robert Loja doesn't really need to do any of this. It's ridiculous. Uh, I, I couldn't believe sort of the offer. What is Stallone's response to this? He eventually lands on, fuck you, I'm taking my son back, essentially. Yeah, when this is over, I'm coming to get him, is yeah. his words that he uses, right? Even though in this case, now he is completely legally in the wrong. 
Like he gave up that possibility about 15 minutes ago in this movie. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm not sure whether the duress that he was under would sort of preclude that from staying. Um, but then how does Loja respond to him turning down his offer? Do you remember what he says? He says, you're a loser and always have been a loser. And Stallone walks out of that thing. Well, he walks right through Robert Loge's, like head security guard. He walks out of there and he has to head back to the ring. He's feeling kind of hurt too, right? He's kind of thinks that he's injured something in his arm and he's feeling kind of down. Heading into this sort of semi-final matchup again where he can't lose. He's already lost one. Yeah, and it's a rematch against the guy who just beat him, John Grizzly. This is where he drinks the can of motor oil to intimidate him. But Stallone at this point is not fucking around. And after a Hall of Fame Stallone like grunting yell, he defeats him. Then we get a, a quick kind of mini montage. And then we're in the semifinals, or as they're calling it, the finals. <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange. We're in the finals, which is actually two groups of two going against each other to figure out who's in the over-the-top finals. I guess, yeah. So either way, the, whatever this is, the fucking pressure's on, and this is where Michael arrives just in time to see his dad beat his opponent in, like, record time. In fact, his opponent claims that he wasn't ready and that, they, you know, they started too early and he got cheated and stuff and they had to basically haul him off. Mike is excited and tells his dad that he wants to live with him uh, but Stallone's like, I don't have any money. I sold the truck. Mike says, no problem. You're going to win. And Stallone's not so sure. Starts kind of making excuses. Oh, I think I hurt my arm. And now it's time for Mike to give his dad the pep talk. That's right. So we're getting the kid pep talk. Uh, he kind of calls him on his pep talk earlier in the movie saying like, was that just bullshit, dad? Did you not believe that? Are you just saying that to me? He also tells him, I think like the most important thing, he tells him he doesn't care about the money that he loves his dad. And now we are going to the actual finals, which I believe again they call the over the top round. And we're exactly where we knew we would be. This is Lincoln Hawk versus Bull Hurley. And not only does Hawk have to win, he has to win twice, right? Because it's double elimination and Bull has definitely not lost. You'd think so, but uh, no. Yeah, apparently not. Uh, again, this tournament format is insanely <laughs> maybe, confusing. Maybe this is like Champions League soccer. This is something where you play best of twos for every round except for the over-the-top slash grand finals. You know who did not ever communicate that to us was the announcer who, again, 94 times <laughs> in this double elimination tournament. Yes. Either way, uh, the tension builds. We get two last interviews, and in his, Stallone reveals the secret of the backwards hat. What I do is I, I just try to take my hat and I turn it around and it's like a switch that goes on. And when the switch goes on, I feel like another person. I feel, I don't know, I feel like a, like a truck. <laughs> like a truck? <laughs> like, like a truck. It? Oh my goodness. It is so bad. We've got Kenny Loggins' piano music playing, uh, kind of getting him into this too, I think, or all through the pep talks at least. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, man. It, now it's go time and they are battling, but they lose their grip. And that means they've got to get strapped in, which is literally a, they strap their arms together. This is where Stallone is wearing a small women's shirt for some reason. <laughs> yeah that shirt is stretched out like to the max it, it's so strange i have lots of questions about this whole sort of sequence of things that are here the strap gets on them and then we're going to get the longest match of arm wrestling in the history of arm wrestling yeah there's lots of grunting and sweating and just hilarious facial expressions and finally <laughs> after like you said the yeah. longest time ever stallone triumphs slams bull's arm down 
everyone starts celebrating. We've got a new champion. I was super fucking confused. I'm like, does he need to beat him again? But I guess not. He, he, you also have, of course, the hands go over the top and then they have the push down. You get his patented move. When Bull loses, it looks like he prolapses his rectum. Like you get the same <laughs> <laughs> facial expression on him that you have on Stallone during most of these. And it's just ridiculous. And then somehow you transition into what I describe as Top Gun music. It was like immediately into that celebratory 80s music. Oh, yeah, man. Mike runs in, celebrates with his dad. Stallone lifts him up. Robert Loja kind of gives a slight nod as if to say, okay, you can have your son back. And I was like, what? Like Robert Loja has been so moved by this fucking arm wrestling that he's like, okay, with he's forgiving everything. Yeah, it was shocking. The whole crowd is there. They're celebrating with him. And I don't understand that acknowledgement, right? Like I did not understand at all that, okay, we're good now. Like you've proven yourself to me. Yeah, man. And they tease me here with a freeze frame. Mm, I thought you were going to bring this up. Oh, I was, yeah. I was ready. I was ready to call it. I'm like, this is perfect, but it's not really the end. We, we kind of, dissolved to a a conversation between uh link hawk and his son about what to call their new trucking company before they drive off into the sunset and then we get the credits what a wasted opportunity that was <laughs> i know i thought you were super excited i wonder are you gonna minus for a fake fee- freeze frame is that something that can happen in your scoring i won't lie to you it definitely affected my rating do you have anything else to say before we get to the ratings or should we just uh, do i it? do i do this kid is like 12 years old and the way that he and his father sort of head off they make it seem like the kid is about to become a trucker is this kid done with school? Is this kid like all in on the trucking business right now? Are he and like Hawk about to go open their own business and they're both going to drive truck? Is he going to travel in the truck with him forever? Here, here's the question. Does does Lincoln Hawk have a home? Uh, good question. I don't know. I don't. It, they, they made it sound like he didn't. They made it sound like he just lived from the truck. We've never um, seen an apartment. We've never seen a house. No. No. So I don't I don't know. I don't think it's legal for a 12 year old to uh, never go to school and become a truck driver. <laughs> Uh, But somehow (laughs) that is sort of the ending of this movie, right? You decide, okay, we've done it. Um, We heard the over the top line about 147 times. We did. I did like that. That solution is over the top to me, man. That's that's brutal. That guy should not (laughs) be there. That kid needs to go back to school. He needs to keep bothering his dad about tuna salad. And then when he grows up, he's going to realize he doesn't want to drive truck. And maybe he'll help his dad with the business. But this is ridiculous. Ironically, these are all the things that Mike was concerned about when he told his dad in jail that he shouldn't stay with him. And it's all coming true. Yeah, it's brutal. (laughs) It didn't wrap up in a way that I wanted at all. I was not happy about that. I also felt like the way that I came into this movie, I thought that the kid was going to be taken by like some kind of illegal organization and that for him to get his son back. He had to like fight against the toughest guy, arm wrestle the toughest guy in that organization for his kid's life. And that's not what this was for me. Like the mob was going to take him or something. Yeah, yeah. that's that's where I thought this was going. Or maybe like there was a biker gang that was involved in the trucking business. And this is how it had to happen. Right. And Stallone was going to get him back through an arm wrestle and then like killing the, the gang or something. I was like, this wasn't wasn't it for me man no surprisingly this was the one area in which this movie actually shows some restraint they tried to make it like a, <laughs> like a legitimate grounded thing yeah all right so um i think we're ready to rate this thing the way we normally do this if you've never joined us before we rate this on a scale of one to ten two times first one to ten for how bad it is then one to ten for how enjoyable it is and the goal is we're trying to find movies that are 10 or 10 on both scales or as we call it a Crit 20. 20, 20, 20. (laughs) And uh, I'll start us off for how bad this movie is on a scale of 1 to 10. I feel almost weird saying this, but I have this as a 9. I don't think it's 10 bad because like this movie is very much of its time. 
I made a comment earlier about how his name sounds like they always spit out, but like an 80s action hero name generator. This is kind of a paint by numbers 80s action movie in a lot of ways. And so like, like it's bad, but I feel like it's bad because it's a victim of its time. Like this was just like, we're going to make an 80s action movie and they did. And it had all the tropes and all the conventions of so many other 80s action movies. And yeah, those make it ridiculous, but like it's well made for the type of movie it is, if that makes any sense. Plus that Kenny Loggins soundtrack, (laughs) like they're trying to make this legit. Um, Uh, When all the budget goes to Kenny. I can't give it a 10. I just feel like it's, it's, it's very... Of its era, mm-hmm. like it checks off all the boxes of the formula of the time. It's true. You can like, it's interesting doing this podcast with you because the quality of movies that we get sometimes influences my bad rating. And I know that it it shouldn't, but often sort of the studio quality movies, ones that especially have name actors, sometimes are hard to throw down that 10 scale. Oh, oh, oh producer John. I know that grumpy. producer John would not be happy with it. <laughs> I'm getting grumpy. I know. And, and it shouldn't be something that's there. But I enjoyed so many of the, I know we're not in enjoyment yet, but the, the musical elements, um, sort of the Stallone-isms, which I expected out of it. I actually found the Robert Loggia character and sort of the child character decent. I know you have some issues with the child actor. Um, but I didn't hate the acting in this. A lot of the decisions around why things were happening and the way they were explained sucked ass. Um, well, that's why it's a nine for me. Like that's yeah. what got, I didn't give any of the bad reasons. That's why it's a nine. But the reason it's not a ten is like what I said. Yeah, you kind of went with the why not a ten. Yeah, and so for me, I actually had it down as an eight bad. Like this just oh felt goodness. like a this just felt like an eighties action movie to me. And yes, it has a bunch of problems to it, but. It, it's a movie that I would have happily sat through and watched at the time. There you go. And so it's kind of the same thing I'm saying. It's, it's very much like it is kind of like of that era. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not that bad a movie. I'm sure there'll be people who love this movie, <laughs> right? Like, well, listen and be yeah. like, I can't believe this is on here. No, no, I don't think anyone's going to say that. This is a, this is a feature length film about truckers arm wrestling. Like, come on. <laughs> Fair. All right. So how enjoyable did you have it, though? Yeah, this was interesting. So my first time watching uh, my expectations, like I said at the start, were that he was going to be arm wrestling for his son's life, not that he was going to be trying to win some large arm wrestling tournament to make himself a respectable father. There were, there were strange choices. The creepy uh, parenting things affected me a bit, too. Like, that weird dad moments uh, were strange. Um, but I, I definitely didn't hate it. Like, I was I was in there. Stallone does what he needs to. Um, the montage, although it wasn't my favorite montage, still helped bulk it up a little bit in my mind. Um, so I, I wrote it down as an enjoyability of a 7. Oh, that's lower than I thought. I mean, you just need off a whole bunch of reasons why I thought you have it higher. Yeah, I know, I'm I'm rocking a 7 or 8. Uh, like, it, it can't sort of go for a crit 20. It's definitely not there. But it, it deserves to be a movie that uh, people could watch and enjoy um, for its shittiness, for sure. Okay. I have it as a 9 for enjoyable. Oh, wow. Because... So you got it really close. This was close to a crit 20 for you. It was. Uh... I mean, it's it's completely ridiculous. And my only complaint for why it's not a 10, because like the Stallone scenes are just glorious and how reckless they are. I love Robert Loja going over the top with the acting, yelling, Michael Cullors, my boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, again, the montages, the Kenny Loggins song is great. My only complaint is they take a long time to kind of like get to the action, for lack of a better term. Like it's mostly father son bonding like Stallone's. Stallone's like really acting here. This is like an oddly dramatic 80s action movie. 
Yeah. There's a right. ton of time on the you're drama. Right. And that takes away from it for me, right? Like the build is too long yeah. in that sense. You're yeah, absolutely. And him trying to become a father of a kid after 10 years probably loses a point or two for me because it's just so bullshit. Yeah, the circumstances are kind of ridiculous. But I still enjoyed it, man. I mean, come on. It's an <laughs> 80s action movie. Yeah, it's still on yeah, yeah. no, the exactly. grunting, the sweating. The absurdity of the backwards hat. I just it's a it's a it's a shitty good time. And I He would have it. never won any of those arm wrestling matches against the guys he was fighting against. They were huge. <laughs> like But he's got the technique. Oh, he knows yeah. the trick. He knows how to go over the top and it's it's over. But yeah, it's hilarious. Now here's something that's really gonna surprise you. I enjoyed this beer. What? Yeah. IPA and Cooper's Down. Unfiltered IPA, whatever the hell that means. It means that they're leaving a lot of the residue from the hops from when it is fermenting in there for you to enjoy. Yeah, man. I don't know why I enjoyed this so much, but like I found it pretty light compared to a lot of IPAs I've had. And like the the flavor of the hops, the kind of, you know, the hop profile, I guess you'd call it. I didn't like I I didn't find it offensive. Like I thought it was pretty good tasting. Like this one surprised me, dude. I was very surprised at this pleasant surprise. We're going to call this your gateway IPA. This is going to be the one that's going to start moving you there. Um, so I liked it. It reminded me a lot of IPAs that I would have had probably four or five years ago. Like these are the sort of more West Coast style IPAs that have a very piney taste, but also a very strong hop profile in there. Very different from what I'd say are the sort of modern take on IPAs where we're drinking mostly New England IPAs that are very much citrus and less pine forward. Um, but it was it was definitely easy to drink. I enjoyed it. I would definitely go back to it again. Um, and you should definitely check out some beers from uh, Big Rig Brewery in Ottawa. But they're accessible pretty much all over the province of Ontario and maybe beyond that. I'm not sure. So a good movie and a good beer. And mm-hmm. next week, we are going to be taking a good look at kind of like a sci-fi horror. We're going to watch Life Force. Life Force. I have no data on this bad boy. It sounds kind of epic, but I don't know what it's going to be about. It is a joint like British-American production. or It's like an American director, but the movie was made in England. Directed, I believe, by the guy who directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, whoa. Okay. So is it? Sci-fi horror, you said? Yeah, it's like a sci-fi horror combination. It's definitely got like horror elements to it. And a small but memorable cameo by a young-ish, although you wouldn't know what to look at him, Patrick Stewart. Oh, really? Yes, sir. Captain Picard's in this here. Jean-Luc he is, is uh, making an appearance. As a Next Generation fan growing up, I'm excited to see the cameo he makes here. That's going to be great. Yeah, man, it'll be a good time. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. In the meantime, if you haven't already, you can follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at the BMB Podcast. Uh, if you want to send us any suggestions, feel free to slide into the DMs of our social media or send us an email at the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We've got a couple more requests coming up before our season ends. But that's it for this week. So until next time, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next week on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep on trucking. (laughs) All right. Some fight for money. Some fight for glory. He's fighting for his son's love.